Hey y'all, welcome to Adventures with Aggie brought to you by Coco's Coffee House. Go check them out. They're located on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village and tell them that Aggie sent you. In our second episode of the feature on NWBA, we hear from Mike Baller. Mike is the junior division commissioner at NWBA. He speaks with us about the impact that wheelchair basketball has on youth and on his own life. Welcome, Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm so excited to share your story. Um, but I guess just to kind of get started, can you give me some background on who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Mike Baller. I live in Madison, Wisconsin, so the frozen tundra, if you will, often joked, joked as. Um, you know, professionally, I work in supply chain operations. I spent eight or nine years working for a big box retail company. And then in the last couple of years of transition to smaller companies, um, specializing in school supplies. So definitely interesting year uh, selling school supplies for sure with many schools not open, but um, so that's what I do professionally. I have, a, I have, you know, if my family lives in the Madison area, I have two children. I met my wife in college. We both went to UW Whitewater, which I'll tell you more about in a little while here. It's kind of one of the cornerstones of wheelchair basketball in the, in the United States. And, um, and, and I also run a nonprofit on the side with my sister and involved with many other like volunteer areas. And then just when I do have the time, I somehow I, I squeeze in uh, triathlons. Uh, I, I, for the last, except for last year it was canceled the last five years. I've done Ironman triathlon in Wisconsin. And, uh, so try to stay as busy as possible. You've done, a, you've done a lot. You do lots of things. I like guess wear many hats, um, which is so cool, but I guess let's kind of backtrack a bit um how did you first get into sports and athletics in general yeah I remember uh my family lived in I I was actually born in Chicago and lived there and moved to Wisconsin when I was in third grade my parents were relocated for their jobs and moved to a small town and I never they, they had never put me in sports or participate in sports I just remember very vividly like being at recess and, and the kids were playing football. And I didn't know how to play. Like I knew what football was, right? I'd heard of it. My dad was a big Chicago Bears fan. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but I didn't know how to play. And, and I was really intrigued. So I, I still remember like learning how to play football. And really from that, that memory sticks with me of really falling in love with athletics. So uh, interestingly enough, never played basketball growing up. I, I, but I played a lot of football and I've always had like a long, long love for baseball. Unfortunately, I'm not, I was never very good at baseball. Um, I always joke my, my 12 year old son in the last couple of years has hit like 12 or 13 home runs and I never hit a single one in my life. So as a, and at a very young age, he's a much more accomplished baseball player than I ever was. But um, so, yeah, so really uh, kind of stuck with football and uh, kind of brought me to university of Wisconsin, Whitewater and, and uh, played some football there. And um kind of how I ended up and that's kind of really how I fell in love with sports and and then really at Whitewater is where I had my introduction a lot of my life actually today is through my experience at Whitewater it's a if you're not involved with wheelchair basketball or college football you've probably never heard of Whitewater it's kind of what it's known for is is being really good at football and really good at, at wheelchair basketball and so I met my wife there she was a, another athlete she played basketball and Obviously, my family is where it is today because of, of that experience. And then uh, I got involved with wheelchair basketball. So um, Tracy Shinoweth at the time, he's a, a wheelchair basketball Hall of Famer now, uh, not very involved anymore. He was the coach at Whitewater and also worked in the recreation sports department. I met him as a freshman and, and we're very friendly on campus. And then 
I had a, I had two, I have two stories. A teammate of mine volunteered with the team. So I kind of knew what was going on. And uh, coincidentally, I was a, I was a fight major and um, Jeremy Lottie, uh, it's nicknamed Opie, longtime captain of the U.S. team uh, up until this last year was the coach at Whitewater for a number of years. It was just, we just became friends. We were classmates and, and, and Opie played on the, on the wheelchair basketball team in Whitewater and was inviting me to games. And so I just started, came to a couple of games and started watching. So then as, just as a student, I became a fan and was really involved. And um, as I was transitioning out of my undergraduate program and, and finishing playing football, I was kind of going to that fifth year of college, if you will, super senior. Um, I, didn't, I didn't probably focus on grades as good as I should have early on or early on in school. So it took me five years to get out. But uh, a teammate of mine, his name uh, was Jay. Uh, he was an offense lineman. I was a defense lineman. We had a lot of kind of battles in the trenches, if you will, playing football together at Whitewater. Jay was in an accident, um, in a motorcycle accident over the summer and actually ended up having, uh, having an amputation and, and came back to Whitewater to play on the wheelchair basketball team. And at that time, it really sparked my interest. and I got more involved. So just the interesting turn of events of, of – Jeremy kind of nagging at me to come and check it out. And then a, a teammate of mine essentially joining the team. And that's what got me involved early on in the college level. And then just really the appetite grew from there. I kind of transitioned my education into specializing in adaptive education and, and really creating opportunities for those that, that don't have them or, or are often overlooked um, because of things they can't do. Right. And it's a little cliche, but um, even even in my professional life, um, it's the same. It, it's really set me up for success. My whole career is really spending more time focusing on like what what people are good at and what they can do, and not spending a lot of time focusing on what people people aren't strong at or what maybe is an opportunity. There's really it's hard to mitigate things you aren't strong at or naturally good at, and so instead of that, just focusing on on what people can do or what they're really strong at and really leveraging those skills. So. Um, yeah, and so that that transitioned really into getting more involved. There are some local high school, the junior division, which is what I'm involved now, teams in Milwaukee and Madison. And I started getting involved with the Milwaukee team, just helping out on the side and um, started seeing that there was, there was this high school level that was really active and um, started volunteering with them and, and ended up joining their committee probably 14, 13 years ago. It was a while ago. Um, and then that's just transitioned to greater responsibilities. And seven or eight years ago, the current commissioner was uh, transitioning out of the youth level wheelchair basketball into the college level. He was going to become a coach, um, Doug Garner, who's a who's an NWBA Hall of Famer at University of Texas Arlington, um, had asked me to to take over as a commissioner. And so now eight years eight years later, uh, I'm in this role and have. I stayed very involved with the, the junior division, essentially wheelchair basketball, really not involved with adults or, or colleges. Obviously, I still have a, a connection back to Whitewater and stay in touch. And I live in Wisconsin, so I follow the team. But I've really been highly involved with the junior division for many years to where to where Chuck Aokis and Steve Serial, Steve a really popular name in wheelchair basketball, Matt Scott, they were, you know, teenagers when I met them to now they're, you know, they're in their 30s. So it's aging myself a bit, so. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your whole path and stuff. I think it's so sure. cool to see how like you went from a fan to now actively working for the NWBA, which is so cool. And I think it's awesome that it was like in the culture that you were growing up in. I think where I'm from, 
I don't think that's the case. I I don't, as far as I know, I don't, I don't think we had like a youth wheelchair basketball league mm-hmm. um, in my town in Alabama. Um, but yeah, I think that's awesome that it was just, it was there. Like it was a part of your upbringing and stuff. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I think just, just personally, I, I grew up um, in a low income family, single parent eventually. And, and luckily I had a lot of people help me along the way. I, I maybe got some trouble or made bad decisions. And I had some different mentors along the way that I felt like had they not lent a hand or, or given me that extra assistance, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And, and so I feel like that's kind of been my whole life is paying that forward a little bit of, you know, sometimes I can give a lot, sometimes I give very little, but it's a little just, just a little bit of that effort that we can give each other to, to help each other out. Right? So I think that's really where, where I'm at today now because of those experiences. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Let's, I guess, kind of talk about what you're doing right now. So can you tell me like, what is your role as the junior commissioner? Yeah. So the junior commissioner, I, it's developed a little bit over the years. Um, early on, it's really, I, I'll give a shout out to the executive committee I work with. Um, I would say my role is, it can be very heavily involved doing a lot, doing everything to, to really, um, more of a leadership role. And, and right now it's more of a leadership role because I have a, I have a very strong committee, um, really strong president that stepped up the last couple of years and does a nice job and many other members. And, and so really what our committee does is it's a working group of volunteers. So the, outside of like three individuals, the whole, the entire NWBA is run by volunteers, including my, the group I work with. And so we do a number of things. Um, we maintain our rankings. So the, the teams participate and compete and we rank them essentially very similar to like NCAA sports, um, establishing seedings and, and those types of things. We help facilitate tournaments or events or a new team is gonna start or get created. We can, depending on, the committee is pretty strategically placed by individuals throughout the country, West Coast, East Coast, North, South. And so there's kind of one of us in every region of the US to be able to step up and help out. Uh, and then throughout the year, we just, we help support, we do academic awards and the actual, the wheelchair basketball season is culminated by a national tournament. So the group I work with and myself are very hands-on with the operations of the event. We put on a big, a huge banquet, which is really the, it's, if you ever were part of this event, really the the junior division banquet is kind of the highlight of the year. I always just joked and called it wheelchair prom because it's, it's it's very cool experience because it's very similar to what you'd expect at like a high school dance or prom, right? It's boys and girls holding hands and kids dancing and, and a DJ and, and really um, kind of just, it's just really a party and it's a good time. And so I've always really loved that event. It's kind of the the, uh, the capstone of the year. And then, and then just a couple other things. Like we do have to unfortunately deal with some harder issues. Like there's grievances, uh, complaints from teams, whether it's rulings or or um, conduct issues. And then also just year to year, um, kids wanna change teams or teams unfortunately no longer exist. And so we really help, that's probably where I'm most involved is really helping kids find a home. Um, Especially this year has been very interesting. Many organizations regionally have decided um, not to participate this season, but the families are still interested or some of the individual, the kids are comfortable playing. And so it's, it's trying to find a team for them and really work through a, a challenging season to really maximize participation. So um, I, guess, I guess in short, really I serve as a kind of a point of contact between really the membership and, and the, the NWBA. 
Definitely, definitely. That's so cool. I, I want to come to the prom. I think that sounds fun. I want to come. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Um, awesome. Well, let's talk about the the Junior League. I guess, how has it grown? Like, how have you seen it grown in the last few years? And then can you just kind of tell me about the people that come through your program and like what they're doing now? Yeah, so the Junior Division was formed in 1993. Uh, I spoke about Doug Garner before. He was part of one of those individuals that it was a group of parents that wanted a just wanted their own league and, and separate division essentially for, for youth. And so that was formed then, I believe there was 13 teams in 1993. And now on a given day, we have eight on a given year, it's up to 85 to hundred teams uh, across the country. And then at a, at our national tournament, 48 teams participate. So it's a pretty big deal. Like we've gotten to the point where unfortunately we have to tell people no sometimes because we got to cut it off of it. It's become very competitive and, participate participations really grown it's made up of over 800 athletes basically 18 and under across the country probably as young as five or six years old and it's essentially split into two divisions so there's a varsity division which is more of your traditional uh, high school age sometimes middle school so the cutoff is 14 and up so you can you can play up if you're maybe more developed physically or, or your skills are there. And then there's a, a division called prep, which is really focused on development of the game, youth skills. They play on a little bit shorter hoops and some modified rules. And that's really ages five or six years old through through 13. And um, it's really focused on development of the game and, and kind of honing those skills. Because once you move into the varsity division, it's very, very similar to like a college game where you play on full-size courts and NCAA rules, 10-foot hoops, um, standard rules. So it becomes much more competitive and, and it gives that good introduction. So, um, you know, we have, where, where are the, where are people at now? They're all, they're all over, right? So you've, you've spoken to, to some, the Darlene Hunters and Andrea Woodson's that are professors and doctors and, and scholars to professional wheelchair basketball players representing the country and gold medals. There's teachers, um, pharmacists. I mean, kind of represented all over the place. It's really, it's really hard to say um, one specific thing of where they're at. Uh, many, many leave the junior division and, and go on to school. Some don't, um, some play, play after school in the college level or adult teams. And, and unfortunately there's still probably something that's an opportunity for the league is there's still a, a population that, that finish the, the junior division time and, and just stop playing and they don't play again, which is interesting. I guess it's very similar to, to be an adult, right? You, you finish playing your high school sports. And if, if you're not playing something recreationally, you don't, you don't really have that outlet anymore. So um, there's some definitely some definitely, there's definitely some interesting faces in the game and it's become much larger in media, right? Um, now you see, you know, Paralympics represented on like McDonald's cups and um, Steve Serio, who's kind of a face of Toyota for, for wheelchair basketball is definitely something that's really cool too. So. Definitely. Yeah, it's everywhere. That's one thing that I found out just from speaking with other Paralympians and Olympians, just people involved within the, the Olympic movement in general is I everybody knows somebody mm -hmm. within wheelchair basketball. And I think that's so cool. It's a community and everybody knows each other. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But um, I guess, can you, I guess, I hope that some kids are listening out there once we post this episode. Um, so can you just kind of speak about the different teams and leagues that children can be involved in? Yeah, so there's really the, um, so is it more of a question how to get involved? Yeah, so uh, 
so it's interesting. There's, there's a few ways where, where kids are involved. So there's probably the most common path is that they're, you know, a, a kid has a disability or, or acquires a disability, maybe through an accident or illness, and they get referred by a physical therapists or occupational therapists. Um, maybe a family friend knows them. There's a, there's a, a good select amount of junior wheelchair basketball programs that are part of hospitals or organizations that kind of just, those are the programs with a lot of kids, really. It's just a natural feeder system for them. Kid gets hurt, kids born with a disability, go and check out this program, right? Uh, the, the Courage uh, Courage Center in Minneapolis and Tier Memorial in Houston, Lakeshore Foundation, those types of places, Bennett, um, Kennedy Krieger, sorry, I had to think of the name of the place, Kennedy Krieger Hospital in Baltimore. Those types of places are probably the most common. Um, sometimes the kids just come to you. So parents find them on the internet or, or a lot of programs are really good. Like they go to, they may go to um, a show or they put on demonstrations at their schools. Many, many teams, it's not uncommon to do demonstrations at a school. And so it just catches the attention of someone or maybe a teacher talks about it or, or like you said, like everybody kind of knows somebody. Um, it's funny. There's a gentleman, he, he's, doesn't play wheelchair basketball anymore. If you Google Jeff Glassbrenner, he's probably one of the most popular adaptive athletes. He was a one of the greatest, one of the one of the top wheelchair basketball players to play on the U.S. team and for Whitewater. I think he still has a scoring record for the NWBA, but also um, is a very accomplished triathlete. I think he did twelve Ironmans in a year. He climbed Mount Everest a few years ago. He was the the, they made a movie a couple of years ago, The Rock, like The Rock follows like 10 people on Instagram and he follows Jeff Glassbrenner that The Rock made a movie about a, a single leg amputee and, and Jeff Glassbrenner was an inspiration. And it's just weird because I have, I have another friend here in Madison who, who happens to work for the financial company, one of Jeff's sponsors. So he knows, he knows Jeff. And it's just one of those things where um, very unique people are involved. And, and, and so that's how people know about it too, is through the, those types of avenues. And then and then the last avenue, probably the more creative avenue, and I've been there before, is is you find them right. You're at a you're at a mall or you're at a restaurant, and and you see a kid uh, with maybe a little bit of a limp or or an obvious amputation, and and you just tell them about wheelchair basketball, right? And sometimes it's like, hey, get the heck away from me, you know, you weirdo. Why are you talking to my kid? And sometimes it's they've never heard of it or 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 not very interested or just had no idea it existed and, um, or you see it in a newspaper. I've very often have seen a, you know, a fundraiser or a newspaper article about some child that was recently injured. And it's just simply like kind of cold calling them and reaching out or reaching out to the school through a teacher. And my, my son right now has a classmate that's an amputee and I'm bugging my son. Like, Hey, you got to talk to this kid. You got to get him to come try wheelchair basketball. There's a team in Madison and my son's a little shy about it, but we're still, I'm not giving up on it. So this, you got to get this kid involved in, and, and, and sometimes these kids, you know, and it's a good mindset. They don't, they don't want to play wheelchair basketball. They want to play stand-up sports and able-bodied sports. There's a, there's a kid I remember, um, his name's Holden and he's a, he's a really, he ended up being a really good wheelchair basketball player, but he was 10 or 11 years old. And I was, I was leading a, a sports camp when I lived in the twin cities at the courage center and kids get to come and just try different sports and we were going to do a wheelchair basketball unit. And his mom called and was really concerned, like, hey, Holden can walk. He can run. He, he doesn't want to play wheelchair basketball. You know, we don't want him to play. I was like, well, that's okay, but he'll just kind of have to watch then. And so 
so anyways, we started the wheelchair basketball unit. And I think after five minutes of watching Holden saw, it was like, oh, this looks pretty fun and, and ended up jumping in a chair and, and ended up being a very accomplished player um, and, and plays on a college team now. So it was just different, different ways and different creative ways people have gotten involved. And there's so many, so many stories out there that you can, you can hear about how people got involved. So that's so cool to see how it's everybody's mission, right? Your, your son, everybody's recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's um, on it. And for my kids too, it's cool. They've, they grew up around, around people with disabilities. Like I have a lot of pictures of them uh, pushing around in their, in my friends' sports wheelchairs. And, and, and I don't know, I guess, I guess, you know, you, kids are kids, right? They, they side eye someone or, or different. I, I think it's kind of cool. Like my kids, I don't even think they even notice that there's a difference. And it, it's, I think it helps even brothers and sisters and, and kids being around other people with disability and with acceptance and in, being inclusive. So it's been, it's been cool, I guess, as a parent to, to see my kids really like, like, it's kind of funny, like, my 10 year old didn't think it was a big guy, big deal that he had an amputee in his class. So like just whatever, he's just another kid. And I think uh, another, another person told me about it. That's how I learned about it. So, um, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. I guess, um, this kind of relates, but more of a personal question, I guess. Um, how, like, why, why is this your mission? Like your mission, accessible sport and inclusivity and things. Um, how are you working to raise awareness for this personally, I guess? Yeah, I think it's just, I think personally, it's just opportunities, right? I think there's so many, so many people in wheelchair basketball that just don't have the, that they don't know it exists. Right. And they don't know what's going on. And it can be, it can, it can be confusing as a new program and a new team. Um, how do I get my kid involved? And unfortunately, just depending on where you live, it may be 120 miles, 180 miles, four or five hours to get involved. So it's, trying to create more of those grassroots or more community-based teams. And I think that's really where it's, the, the league has grown as you see more of these smaller teams popping up, like in Birmingham, like the Lake Alabama area, right? It was kind of only Lakeshore regionally for a long time. And now there's programs popping up in, um, in Lafayette, uh, sorry, New Orleans and uh, Huntsville and all these different areas where, where folks don't have to drive as far. So really my passion and just getting, getting people involved and trying to remove the barriers that exist and, and really the education part really, you know, as I continue to, to work with this league, it's continuing to educate and develop kind of the teaching and coaching side. One of the, one of the challenges is many of the coaches in wheelchair basketball are volunteers or parents or friends or family. And, and oftentimes once their connection to the program moves on, they do too. And there's always that you're kind of starting over a lot with, teaching them the game because there's some uniqueness to learning to working with kids with disabilities and, and, and the sport itself. And it's that, that education. And really that's kind of just been my passion, I guess, to answer your question, just like education and exposure. And, and again, just removing barriers to get as much participation as possible, because again, going back to like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I don't know if I would have always had those opportunities had not had someone not provided them for me. So. Totally. I think that's one thing that I love about my own show is, being able to kind of provide that education piece because I I'm covering y'all and then I'm covering um, the England amputee football association and people don't know what that is either. And um, just, I like being able to cover these sports and hopefully helping with that educational piece that is so important to the growth of this and hopefully further development and more teams and more people getting involved. But um, 
it's all we're all in this together, I guess, <laughs> pushing for more involvement. Um, but awesome. I guess just one last question for you. I end all of my shows on advice. So what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Yeah, I think uh, I thought about this when I when I when you sent me over some questions ahead of time. I think I guess I'll say two things and they're probably tied tied together is um, I think just naturally um, I I sometimes just, it takes me an extra minute to learn something or comprehend something. I don't know why, it's just the way my brain works. Um, and so maybe I have to do something twice to learn it. And I think to overcome that, I just go quick sometimes. And I, and I wish I would have spent more time as I was young, like reflecting and, and understanding the, the outcomes of decisions and, and really what, what happens, like, when you do A and B, what is C kind of understanding the strategic side of decisions and it's probably a little bit different way of thinking about it. But I think it, I started my professional career later than I would have liked to have, or even getting further involved with the development of wheelchair basketball later than I would like to have. And um, I think that had I spent more time reflecting and thinking about things, um, you know, I would have, I would have learned those things quicker and sooner. And then the, the last part um, advice to myself, and this is good advice to everyone is just, just to take risks and, and fail fast. I think because of that, the hesitation or, or um, whatever, I, uh, I play things conservatively at times. And, and that's also like, just let, that just leads to going too slow sometimes. Right. And so be willing to put yourself out there, be bold. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out to that kid with the limp or, or um, maybe impairment and, and ask them if they have any interest or checking out sports and, and, and other opportunities that might, might involve, might be interesting to them. Right. So um, yeah, I think that's it. Great advice. Great advice. I love, it. <laughs> I love ending the show on this note too. It's so I don't, hopeful, inspirational, get involved. I love that. Um, but awesome. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your story and giving us some more info on the NWBA. Hey, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your story. Tune in on Friday to hear from Darlene Hunter. She's a gold medalist from the Rio Paralympics, and she's a true veteran of the sport. So tune in to hear more on Friday morning. Uh-huh.